Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. It's one of the biggest leaks in the history of U.S. intelligence as hundreds of pages of classified material began to appear online, it triggered a desperate scramble to find the suspected Pentagon leaker and to understand how this happened. Breaking news in the last few minutes. US investigators have arrested the source of the leaked classified documents. Today, the Justice Department arrested Jack Douglas Teixeira in connection with an investigation... In- Jack Tashira's father told him he loved him. His son replied in the courtroom, I love you too, Dad. But the past week hasn't just been a hunt for the leaker. It's worth remembering that the leaks themselves contained huge stories that hadn't previously been reported. And every day, more and more of these stories are trickling out the latest revelation about the near miss, the Russians possibly misfiring with a missile on a British plane last September. The near uh, shootdown of uh, the British surveillance plane in the Black Sea. There's no question that Wagner militia, the Russian government, would love to try and track down UK special forces. And by signaling that they are in Ukraine, they would become a high-value target by the Russians. The Ukrainians are in a very bad position because they're not getting enough ammunition. The documents give a far more realistic view, uh, saying that uh, uh, basically it's going to come down to a stalemate. You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, what we now know about the Pentagon leaks. I'm Alastair Dover. I'm the Times and Sunday Times Washington correspondent based uh, in in D.C. covering the U.S. and this week covering largely the latest Pentagon leaks. And Alastair, these Pentagon leaks have gripped everyone and they led to an enormous investigation by the intelligence services, which led finally last week to them tracking down the suspect. Just tell us a bit about him. What do we now know about him? Well, he's a 21-year-old. His name is Jack Teixeira. He is based at the Otis Air National Guard base in Cape Cod in Massachusetts on the on the northeast coast. He is a young man with a lot of access to information. We know from friends of his that he's incredibly patriotic, that he's a gun enthusiast, he's a devout Catholic, and he is also someone who, over the last few years has been a member, a leader, of a group on Discord. 
it's a private chat room. It's, it's used a lot by gamers, but it's also used by just online communities. There are countless groups covering all sorts of different interests. You effectively apply to become a member of one of these groups and the, the, the existing members will debate as to whether or not you're in. But once you're in, like the club, you know, you become an active member of a, of a group and you, you take part in discussions, you leave documents for people to have a look at. I mean, and, and, and in you know, the vast, vast, vast majority of, of cases, these are entirely innocent chats, often about computer games. He formed a group a couple of years ago during the lockdown. The group was called Thug Shaker Central and consisted... Interesting title. Interesting title. Uh, he, he, he went by the, the, the pseudonym OG. Some people think it might be original gangster, but that's to be cleared up. And he was the leader of this group. And it was a group of a dozen or so like-minded people who, who discussed failings with America, with America's intelligence services, with American security. But also they discussed their patriotism, their, their love of guns and, and their religion. Any claims that he is a Russian operative or pro-Russian is categorically false. He is not interested in helping any foreign agencies with their attack on the U.S. or other countries. That's the voice of one of Teixeira's friends from the Thug Shaker Central group, who spoke to the Washington Post last week. The paper had to ask for his parents' permission to talk to him, as he's only 17. I would not call OG a whistleblower in the slightest. I don't think that there was a goal nor some sort of accomplishment that he was looking for in sharing these documents. Of course, there's some anti-government sentiment, but that's not unlike most right-wingers in the modern day and age. There was no heavy Snowden-like conspiracy here, like some people may believe. They still care for him, like he's a family member. He was a, he was a young, charismatic man who loved nature, God, who loved shooting guns and, and racing cars. And uh, it's on this group within Discord that, that Teixeira has now been charged with leaking highly classified intelligence documents, up to about 100 of them, documents and slides, which relate to active and, in some cases, ongoing US military operations overseas. And, I mean, this, this was extraordinary that, you know, they even released the footage of his arrest and it was quite something. You mm. see this, this man on his own wearing a pair of shorts on what looks like a very casual day, suddenly surrounded by armed guards and clearly a helicopter above that's filming it as he's arrested. He was then taken to court. He's been charged with unauthorised removal and retention of classified documents and materials. You've painted a picture of his online life, which certainly sounds colourful. Just give us a sense of the sort of responsibilities he had in the real world that gave him access to these documents. Well, he's an active-serving member of the US military. The Otis Air National Guard base is home to the 102nd Intelligence Wing of the US Air Force. He's a very junior serviceman, but in his particular role, he has access to highly classified intelligence briefings. Once clearance is given to an individual, quite often it means that the level of information or the sensitivity of, of, of information they are, that passes through their hands can be really quite high level, uh, even if they themselves are junior. Often, you know, junior people will hand out these documents at meetings of more senior people. But in order to have the, the authority to even hand out the documents, you need to be security cleared. Once you're in that bubble, it's not difficult to get hold of information. You know, copies are left lying around in 
what might be considered otherwise secure rooms. And it just shows that part of the apparatus in the States to guard against these things leaking hasn't really countenanced the idea that someone who lives their private life largely online would leak these documents to a group of people that are completely alien to many of the senior officers serving on this base. And just explain how that leaking happened. How does he go from being a very junior guard who's seeing some of these documents to putting them out on Discord? Do we know what what motivated him? How did that all happen? It it seems that from what we know about Jack Tashiri, he's a young man. And it would appear that he's been on this chat group with his friends, a secure chat group, it must be said, and that he may have shared these documents simply to show off. He did have sort of a bossy attitude at some points, but it was more of a fatherly bossy. He did see himself as the leader of this group, and he ultimately he was the leader of this group. And he wanted us all to be sort of super soldiers to some degree, informed, fit, with God, well-armed, stuff like that. He's in a position where he can boast about his proximity to intelligence, and it would appear that it's an exercise in bravado or even narcissism, to make himself look impressive among his peers. When the documents surfaced online, it was clear that they'd come from part of the Pentagon. But despite these top-secret, highly-classified documents being posted online in the Thug Shaker Central group on Discord, it took months for the members of the group to take them seriously. People were reading them, and they were not commenting on them. They were just sitting there. OG, the person the FBI says is Jake Teixeira, began quite cautiously, posting a few snippets from the documents here and there. But eventually, he started posting photos of hundreds of pages. It would appear as if he sort of grew angry with the fact that only one or two people were paying attention to these documents that he was pouring his heart out into. And as a sign of just anger, he just decided to post the full documents. And that eventually led to this. Hey guys, Filipino YouTube celebrity here. If you don't know what's going on right now, let me give you a quick rundown. One of the members of Thug Shaker Central shared some of those documents to another server on Discord, a much larger one, run by a 20-year-old British student and YouTuber known as Wow Mao. Last week, Wow Mao posted this video titled Private NATO Documents Were Leaked on My Discord. On the 1st of March, Ahmad on my Discord server shared 30 plus leaked documents concerning the Russia Ukraine war. And from what I know, this moderator found the documents from another Discord server. Either from a Minecraft server where they were talking about maps, or, I'm not kidding here, a server called Thug Shaker Central. It was from Wow Mao's much bigger group that the story got picked up and went global attracting the attention of the world's media and the FBI. This exposure has led to a lot of journalists and normal people having to explain what I am to the general public. I'm a shitposting internet micro-celebrity and I'd like to keep it that way. The Times radio reporter Joe Crawford spoke to Wow Mao on Friday. Uh, how could this happen to us? We're, we're moderators for 
Filipino YouTube celebrities Discord server. Now we've <laughs> got to deal with the CIA and the FBI. Was it the first or second of March that a user posted, um, I think it was around 30 Intel documents onto the WowMau server? So could you talk me through, I don't know, a quick timeline of when you noticed those documents and how that unfolded? I believe it was posted on March 1st, but I didn't notice that they were posted on that on my server until it broke out into the news. What went through your head when you heard that these Intel documents had been published onto your server? <sighs> I thought it was... I've already told the uh, New York Times this. I thought it was a little bit funny. Maybe I shouldn't have used the word hilarious because that's been misconstrued now. But um, no, uh, well, I thought it was absurd. Yeah, I can't believe it. <laughs> Did you personally know the user who had taken those documents from the original server and then posted it onto your server? Um, yeah, I, I have known him for a while. He's just a kid from uh, America. He's much younger than me. I think he's 17. Yeah, I think he is. I don't know the exact age. So you did know who he was? Well, I didn't know his name or his exact age, but I did talk to him. Did you speak to him after the documents came into the public eye? How is he feeling? No, I think he was completely overwhelmed and he's wiped everything from the internet. Could uh, any way I could contact him, it's all gone. Do you perhaps know the incentive as to why he published those documents onto your server? Probably to impress people. I just hope nothing bad comes out of this, such as like one side winning the war, someone I know getting locked up, or myself getting in a load of trouble that may ruin my life. When you said one side winning the war, what did you mean by that? I assume one side could use this information to perhaps launch an attack that kills people. That would be a negative outcome of this. It could be Russia against Ukraine or Ukraine against Russia. Coming up, we'll look at the big revelations contained in the leaks, including the story of the Russian fighter jet that nearly took down a British plane. That's in just a moment. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 
I'm Michael Evans. I was the Times' defense editor for many years and then Pentagon correspondent based in Washington. And I'm now a defense specialist writer for the Times. Amid all the clamor around the leak, we've heard more about the leaker than about the content of the documents that were leaked. We're going to run through them now, starting with one of the biggest revelations. It happened without most of us knowing on the 29th of September last year. Just imagine a large Boeing in the sky. This was a what's called a rivet joint. It's a, it's a Boeing, basically, which has been converted into a surveillance aircraft, and it's manned by maybe 30 people. They probably would have taken off from Poland or Romania, and it would have gone on a, a lengthy operation to intercept Russian communications in Ukraine. That's what its role is. So they were patrolling over the Black Sea in international airspace. A Russian combat aircraft, a Russian fighter, spotted the plane and apparently radioed back to its base to say, we've got this Western intelligence surveillance plane in the sky. What do I do about it? And there seemed to be a sort of jumbled messages going on between base and pilot because the pilot thought he'd received orders to fire on this plane. Which presumably wouldn't have been the case. I I think it's highly unlikely. I would have thought even the Kremlin wouldn't do it. But in this case, the pilot, he thought he received direct orders to fire. So he, as they say, locked on and he did actually aim a missile at the plane. And he then launched and fired. But by sheer luck, the missile was faulty and it didn't hit the plane. But it was that close. And I think in this case, nearly ended up with the death of probably about 30 Brits on board that signals intelligence plane. Presumably that could have been the trigger for World War III. That could have escalated tensions wildly. The shooting down of a plane with 30 people on board That would have been absolutely cataclysmic if that had happened. It would have led to uproar, but would it have triggered Third World War? Let's hope we can put that off forever. Michael, during your time in the Pentagon, as as the Pentagon correspondent for The Times, there were two of the biggest leaks in American history. We had the cases of Chelsea Manning and Edward Snowden. Take us back to that period. What was it like being there when all of that was happening? They were two of the most staggering stories that I was involved in. They were very different in many ways. First of all, the the Bradley Manning, now Chelsea Manning, story was huge because, of course, the big story then was Iraq. Mm. And here we had a relatively junior member of the U.S. Army, or a specialist in intelligence, who was sitting in his office and had access to the most extraordinary amount of classified information, about 750,000 files of some sort. And of course, it was all leaked to WikiLeaks. A lot of very uncomfortable examples of what had been going on in Iraq. And it caused huge embarrassment to the Pentagon because they had to try to reassure allies that if there had been any abuses that had been going on in Iraq, they would be treated and sorted out. The biggest shock of all, I think, was the fact that someone 
of such a low rank had access to such a vast amount of material. It didn't make any sense. And certainly, I remember the senior hierarchy in the Pentagon were walking around as if amazed that someone could have access to such classified and sensitive documents. And yet, it was well known that the number of people who have access to these documents, numbers in the millions. I mean, just for top secret classification, even today, it's somewhere around 1.3 million. That's, of course, covering the whole of government. I'm not just talking about the Pentagon. So I think this is what shocked them. And then there was the Edward Snowden case. This was a guy who had worked for the CIA and then worked for the National Security Agency. And he, with the NSA, was a technical administrator. And it meant that he had access to pretty well everything. So he spilled something like 20,000 files about what America was doing around the world. And both stories had maximum impact throughout the world, and particularly amongst allies who always rely, of course, on American intelligence sharing. So, yeah, I can remember those two stories. <laughs> they will remain with me forever. What was the mood like in the Pentagon while all of that was happening? They were involved in probably, until now, the biggest damage limitation exercise, the diplomatic cables that were leaked. Many of them showed that the NSA was listening in to some of America's closest allies, including in Germany. Uh, Chancellor Merkel had her phone, her private phone was being, had been intercepted. And I know that both the Pentagon and the State Department, as they are now, by the way, with the Pentagon leaks, are ringing around furiously to try and reassure allies that everything was fine and that they wouldn't do it again, which was the case with Edward Snowden's leaks. They said that they would not continue to intercept conversations with, well, in one example, Chancellor Merkel of Germany. And Michael, despite the shock of those two cases, and you'd assume that there would have been, you know, more security put in place around information after them, we're somehow here again. For you, what have been the most startling revelations so far? There's a pretty huge breadth of stories that are coming out and leaks that are coming out that cover a really pretty wide area. Initially, it seemed to be very much focused on uh, what's going on in Ukraine, the American relationship with Ukraine, the communications that go on with Ukrainian military and assessments, above all, of how the Ukrainians were doing against the Russians. Um, but it's now broadened out to, uh, to, to more areas. I think some of the things that, that have struck me as interesting is that the, some of the fine detail of events that have taken place in Ukraine. The other one, which I thought was quite alarming, was the leaked document which suggested that Mossad, the Israeli secret service, mm. was involved in stoking up the anti-government protests that have been going on in Israel about Benjamin Netanyahu's legal reforms for the uh, Supreme Court. You know, whether that's true or not is, 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 a, is another matter. But the fact is, for a document discussing Mossad, and for that to be leaked, when the links between 
Mossad and the American intelligence agencies, and of course, between the US and Israel, are absolutely crucial. So anything like that that comes out was, I would have thought, pretty, pretty embarrassing. And there have been some accusations of, of, of tampering, effectively. I mean, the Ministry of Defence here in the UK has said that some of the leaked material demonstrated a serious level of inaccuracy and that a significant proportion of it wasn't true or had been manipulated, or both, and that readers should be cautious about taking it at face value. Do we have a sense of how accurate these reports are? Do we know if they are authentic? I don't think there's any doubt that the documents are authentic. The Pentagon has not tried to claim that these are all fake. They are authentic documents. But I think there's no doubt that once Moscow became aware of what was being spread around, it gave them an opportunity to exploit it for their own purposes and have changed some of the figures, for instance, about Russian casualties in Ukraine, they're very sensitive about the number of casualties. America is claiming that it's up to 200,000 dead and wounded Russians in Ukraine since the invasion in February last year. The Kremlin has always rejected that figure. And when there were figures put into these leaked documents, the Russians seem to have managed to change them downwards so that it is not embarrassing, so embarrassing for them. So yes, I think some of the documents have been adopted. Some of the documents seem to be less believable, if you like, than others. For instance, there was a leaked document the other day which talked about the number of Western special forces serving actually in Ukraine. And they put the figure at 50 UK special forces in actually working in Ukraine. I seriously doubt that figure. Even if there are any, and I'm not saying there are because I don't know, I seriously doubt there will be 50 of them in Ukraine. One, because it will be highly risky for so many relatively large number of British special forces to be involved in the, with the Ukraine military. And secondly, I don't think the government would authorised sending so many to Ukraine when when Mm. there will be such risks. So I think that's why the MOD put out this statement saying that you should believe everything you read. I'm sure there have been special forces from some countries operating on a small basis inside Ukraine. But nevertheless, that one particularly was one to be wary of. And in terms of, you know, if, if we think the bulk of the, these documents are authentic, what are they actually showing us about what is happening on the ground in Ukraine? So, you know, if, if we take the, the stuff about Western special forces with a pinch of salt, which bits should we believe? And what do they show us about what's happening with the state of the war? We know, for instance, that Russia and Ukraine, both sides, have been using a huge number of artillery shells, and other munitions on a daily basis. And even though the US-led coalition of about 50 countries is helping to arm Ukraine, it all takes time. And we're at this stage now where Ukraine is running short of some munitions, in particular, medium-range anti-air weapons, which are required to shoot down Russian combat planes. And The danger with this is that if the Russians believe what they're reading, it might give them a thought about starting on a much more comprehensive scale 
to start using their fighter aircraft to attack targets on the ground in the hope that the Ukrainians wouldn't be able to shoot them down. But the, the interesting thing about this is that Russia, being somewhat paranoid, has been paranoid ever since the Cold War and post-Cold War, actually seemed to believe that maybe some of these documents were deliberately leaked by the US in order to create confusion for them. So in other words, they're saying, ah, the Americans are saying the Ukrainians are running short of air defense missiles, but that's just a way of drawing us in and then they'll shoot us down. So in a way, there's a counter argument here that maybe leaked documents won't necessarily be believed by the Kremlin and therefore they won't know how to act. And we've heard that the Ukrainians have had to change some of their plans because of these leaks. I mean, tell us a bit about that. What were the were the bits of intelligence coming out that that would have would have placed them in danger? The crucial thing is that they are currently planning a, a counteroffensive, which has been promised for the spring. Well, we're in the spring now, so any week now they are planning a counteroffensive to try and drive out Russian troops from particularly from eastern Ukraine. But it's quite clear that the Americans seem to be sceptical about that. They seem to be saying, or the documents seem to be saying, they don't anticipate Ukrainians being able to retake some of the captured territory. And this is thoroughly annoying the Ukrainian government. And they they are having to change their plans a little bit in order to make sure that they can take the Russians by surprise, and I think they'll bide their time before they carry out this counteroffensive. It may be delayed even. Do the leaks give us a sense of just how impressive, I suppose, American spying is within Russia, the sort of networks it has, and the quality of intelligence it's got coming out of that? I mean, one of the leaked documents that the New York Times reported on, seems to show that the the FSB, one of the intelligence agencies in, in Russia, had accused the Russian defense ministry of obscuring the number of Russian casualties in, in the war. I mean, what did you make of that? <laughs> it just emphasized the extent of the rivalry that goes on within the, the intelligence and security circles in Moscow. Certainly the Kremlin's whole approach has been to downplay, and the military actually, has been to downplay the number of casualties. And for for a reason that I'm not sure I understand, the FSB has decided that this is wrong, that they should be more open about the casualties. I can't imagine why, other than suggesting that there are people in the FSB who are actually getting worried about the war in Ukraine, that they're worried about the leadership survival of Vladimir Putin, and that they think it may be time to be more forthcoming and transparent with the Russian people. Alistair, you're talking to us from Washington, D.C. I imagine there are lots of big questions being asked there at the moment. I mean, you know, after... Chelsea Manning, after Edward Snowden. How how does this happen again? How, how is somebody so young and so impressionable able to access top secret documents? I was talking to someone yesterday who, who used to be a, a staffer at the Pentagon, and they were saying, look, you know, we have spies and we have security people 
who, you know, have been trying to stop this sort of thing happening for longer than Jack Tashir has been alive. You know, they simply don't know what Discord is. It just simply doesn't occur to them that someone might pick up these documents from a, a meeting that's that's classified and, and deemed to be top secret and simply post them on a chat room that they've never heard of. So, you know, they're, they're, people here have called for sort of real reform in terms of who gets information, how information is classified. I think there's a, a huge swathe of people probably closer to the top of, of places like the Pentagon and the bottom, who just simply never countenanced that this sort of thing was even possible to happen. It's no longer a game where, you know, two guys in, in overcoats sit down on a park bench and exchange documents in brown envelopes. But I think a lot of people who are in senior positions in places like the Pentagon grew up in that sort of world. The John the Carey world just didn't have didn't account for 17-year-olds showing off. Right, exactly, exactly. And yet it, 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 it seems, now that it's happened, it seems, you know, gobsmackingly obvious that this might happen. And is there a sense that this is still a bit of a ticking time bomb? We don't really know exactly how much information is still out there. We don't. We don't know. I mean, I, I very much imagine that, that Jack Teixeira's uh, home has been as, as, as agents have gone through there and then looked for anything that might be in his possession but hasn't been posted online. But is there stuff he's already posted online that is now in the possession of other people? At this stage, we don't know. The answer might be none, but I'm not sure that's a risk that people working at the Pentagon, the State Department and elsewhere really, really will want to take. listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Manveen Rana, and my guests, Washington correspondent for The Times and The Sunday Times, Alistair Dorber, and the defence specialist and veteran Times writer, Michael Evans. The producer today was James Shield, the executive producer is Kate Ford, and sound design was by David Crackles. If you can, please do leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.